0: What's up, guys? It's The Real Chance. I'm here with Hassan Karim, and it's Mushtaq, the contributor with the co-editor. And I'm also the host of the podcast, but whatever. Anyway, Hassan and I have decided to do something a little bit different. Hassan, it's called the...
1: Question Corner.
0: Wow, so much bloody enthusiasm. Anyway, it is the Question Corner, so basically, (laughs) we we ask you to share some of your questions that you have, whether it's transfers, tactics, uh, previous games, our thoughts... I don't know if you still care about our thoughts. Thank you so much for caring. Uh, Let's just jump right into it, and we'll get started with the first question. And as always, please keep sending yours however you wish on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, whatever works for you. Austin, you ready?
1: Yep, let's go for it.
0: Wow, finally, a bit more enthusiasm. Let's do it.
1: Yeah, enthusiasm, guys.
0: First question is from Anthony Chopa. used to write at The Real Chams. He asked, we suffer through the rest of the season with Solari or do we get a third coach for the year? I think he meant, should we or would, like, do we suffer? I Um, I, I think that's what he meant. Anyway, uh, if we do get a new coach, who is the ideal replacement? I'll take this one first because I really want to. Um, Yes, we literally do suffer with Solari for the rest of the season uh, because Real Madrid is a club that is full of pride and ego. To replace your manager twice in one season would be absolutely insane. Uh, Things aren't going great, but we're not Manchester United. It's not that bad. Uh, Our club isn't in shambles to that degree. Uh, Not that I don't think they've done it, but it's just nice to shit on real. I mean, Manchester United every once in a while. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Despite the 2-1 or 3-1 win, whatever. It was just Arsenal. Um, I, I don't... like. We will get a new coach. It just won't be during... You know, the middle of this season or while the season is going on, it's probably going to be afterwards once the season is kind of over and done with. And then we move into the summer. Uh, I'd imagine it's going to take place within a month after of this uh, season concluding uh, well in advance before the International Champions Cup, that friendly tournament that Real Madrid takes part in here in North America every year, uh, just so the coach can actually really, you know, get Things going and get the ball rolling in terms of transfers and all of that yeah so that's my take two minutes boom what do you think
1: uh i i actually can't remember the last i, I know madrid has sacked three managers in one season before or had three managers in one season before i can't remember when it was if anyone could tell me that shout out to you but um i'd rather we didn't it's, it's kind of a disgraceful thing to say yeah you've had three managers in one season it's just, it's just poor um, so, yeah, suffer it with Solari for the rest of the season and then hopefully get somebody else in. In terms of who my ideal replacement is, well, I've been praising him for how long now. Of course, it's Mauricio Pochettino all day, every day, and twice on Sundays.
0: I, I agree. I think if one person is going to come into this club, it should be Pochettino. And I truly believe that it is going to happen this summer because, uh, let's be real, they're not going to win anything at Tottenham much better (laughs) he come here and uh and work his magic here with the youngsters at madrid next question is from at stl madrista uh the question is with the amount of quality young fast defenders does it make sense to play a 3-5-2 or something similar with overlapping wing backs? that is something that you kind of touched on earlier in a formation that real madrid played uh not too long ago just a couple games ago what do you think of that formation
1: I've always wanted to see this formation at Madrid for years. Don't know why. I just find it fascinating. Um, but I, I think it's perfectly possible at Madrid right now because they like the fullbacks in Madrid's back. Well, the usual back four aren't really your typical fullbacks. They are essentially wingbacks. So it makes sense to play three centre backs. We've got the capable players in the way of Nacho, Varane, and Ramos. You're starting three. Maybe invest in another centre back or two to just sort of fill that sort of ranks out to rotate them and whatnot but i think it works it makes sense com- makes complete sense so it, it'll allow you to overload the midfield and with the controlling players we've got in midfield you'd be able to boss most games in that sense um but it's just a case of who's you, who's your two up top is the question really and then well, you've got the question of where does please. you know your likes of bail and um Ascensio fit into those kind of those kind of systems, that's the only kind of place where it gets a bit tricky. But I think it makes perfect sense for you, uh, to Madrid to be using that with overlapping wing back.
0: Well, before I answer my question for you is, is of course a three-five-two. Who would your five be from left to right?
1: So on the left, you'd rotate between Reguilón and, become and uh, Marcelo as a as your wing backs. If you go in just pure wing backs, um, okay. my three across the midfield again, it'd be. Cruz Modric and Casemiro, and on the right side, again, it's a, a, a rotation well between three, really uh, Vasquez, Odriozola, and Carvajal. I mean, to have three players on one side is pretty ludicrous. You're pretty much sorted to rotate through a whole season.
0: Yeah. I guess the, the only thing is so, of course, I didn't get to watch that game where Real Madrid played a 3 5 2. I think you're in theory, it sounds super neat. It's kind of like my ridiculous idea of playing Isco, Vinny, and Lucas Vasquez, uh, but it, it sounds kind of cool. But then you have to think about playing three center backs and the trouble that that could cause, because now especially
1: you're... with Ramos's habit to go in walkies,
0: <laughs> exactly. And on top of that, if you are playing, you know, Nacho, Ramos, and Varad, Nacho's considered that. Jack of all trades backup for everybody in the back line. So now if you're playing him as well and he's racking up the minutes, I understand it's not a formation you're gonna play all the time. I feel like having that having that like having Nacho there is just so key for Real Madrid because he doesn't complain, he doesn't cause a fuss, he doesn't cause any trouble in the locker room. He'll literally sit down, he'll come in, he will do his thing, and when he's called upon, he will perform like it's a Champions League final. Like he will haul ass over the pitch. He'll do whatever he needs to. I feel like if you just cut into his maybe longevity and stamina over the course of a season, it's just going to take away from having that backup option in Nacho. So I don't know if I would be too keen on it. The second part of the question is uh, something similar with overlapping wingbacks. Uh, uh, no, we no thought
1: we
0: already do that. Like sure Wingbacks overlap. Yeah. I think sometimes they do it too much. There's a couple of games yeah, this season I've seen where Carvajal literally at the box, if not in the box or by the byline. And then, of course, you know, whereas he has the fitness and Casemiro has a wherewithal to cover that space because that's literally how the system works. That's great. But then the issue arises on the left-hand side when you have Marcelo, who's a little bit older, uh, technically wonderful on the ball. No question about it. Tracking back becomes the issue.
1: Yeah, that's the only issue, really. But tracking back's always been an issue in Madrid. So it, it's kind of like just beating a dead horse there. But um, yeah, to be, to be fair, to go with the 3-5-2, it would mean we have to invest in a few more sort of roster fillers, if that, if that makes sense. So it's I, definitely something I, we I can that. do. But it's going to take time to implement that. I mean, we saw it against Betis when it was played. It was great for the first half. And then the team completely shit the bed in the second half and it just fell apart. Luckily, we've still won, got the, the, the win in that game, but the, it complete, the structure completely fell apart because the team were not used to it, uh, weren't used to the work rate it, it entails. So it's possible, but you definitely need some, some more uh, sort of stuff in there to allow for players to be able to adapt to it and continue to adapt to it through a season as well.
0: Christian, uh, at underscore lovato underscore tve asked do you think we should get rid of solari this summer and who would be your top three choices uh i think hassan you and i both agree that we do need to get somebody else apart from solari at the end of this season i think both of us can also agree that our number one choice would be pochettino yeah. honestly instead of number two and three there aren't many options out there anyway uh, Austin, you know more about all the other coaches than I do, so I'll let you fill in your number two and three for now. I just have a one.
1: So my number two would probably be Antonio Conte. Okay. If he's if he's still available at the time, uh, as of, as of well, as of hypothetical writing, he is. Um, number three is a bit of tricky one because there's not many other people I can think of available. Have you heard of the um,
0: Yoke and Low maybe coming?
1: Not a good idea. No. We've already, we've we already we suffered have one him as enough. a national team coach. <laughs> do you want another one? <laughs> <laughs> that is true.
0: Uh, um, so, do you have a three or undecided?
1: I was going to say Jardine, but Jardine's going back to Monaco because Henri got sacked. Hilarious, by the way.
0: Well, I, 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 I don't know. It's going to be. It, it's going to suck if we don't get potched. And it's going to suck even more if Conte's not available because, like I said, there aren't many options. So I don't know who exactly we would get.
1: I mean, anything can happen this summer, right? You never know. I mean, if, we, if, if I had to speak hypothetically, I'd throw Allegri onto the list as well because I do like Allegri a lot. Um,
0: well, we have heard of that. Allegri coming to Real Madrid and Zidane taking yeah, over Juventus. It's definitely
1: so. been reported. Or if possible, Zidane's still unemployed, technically speaking. He's always welcome back.
0: He's <laughs> always a. The bald-headed beauty. Uh, let's move on to the next question. Abrar at Real Madrid. Hala Madrid 99. That is a long hash uh, at. Uh, anyway, this person says, The couple definitely buys striker this summer. But which ones are, the most, are most realistic? Uh, this person listed Icardi, Kane, Neymar, Mbappe, etc. Or others. Uh, I think all of them are far shot. Uh, one, I don't want Kane, uh, Icardi, I don't know. I think he's great, but I'm not really sure I like, I, I'm just not a hundred percent on him. Uh, Neymar and Mbappe, neither one is technically a striker. Of course, both could play as strikers. If I had to go out of any of those and just in general, it would probably be Mbappe, longevity, invest in the future. You sign him this summer. You have someone for the next five to eight years for sure.
1: Okay, so what he's lifted out of these four, uh, Icardi's possible. I think is completely possible. I don't think that's impossible whatsoever. Um, I think he'd be a good player, but again, you have to you've got to adapt your system to because Icardi's not like Benzema, where he's going to drop a bit deeper, link the play, pass the ball a bit. Icardi is literally the kind of guy you put the ball in the box, he will put it in the net. Simple as that. That's it. Nothing else. Harry Kane isn't going to be available. I'll be amazed if he is, but. I wouldn't say no. I think he's, um, he's definitely, definitely, he's obviously world-class. There's no, no denying it. He's a world-class striker. Um, I just don't think he's going to be available. And if he is, he's going to cost a stupendous amount of money. Neymar's not a striker, uh, nor is he going to be available. Mbappe, as much as I'd like him, not going to happen. Um, if I had to name some other ones... Um, There's not many else out there I can think of right off the top of my head. I'd like to see Memphis Depay chased. I think Memphis Depay is definitely a player to, to go after. He's averaging a goal or an assist every 89 minutes for Leon at the moment. That's more than the Nabi of Fakir. Um, I did a really freaking big write-up about this not too long ago, actually. Um, it's called Scouting well, Notepad, well, well, for well, any of you that wants to know. <laughs> but yeah, no, if I had to say anybody else outside the ones he's listed, I'd say Memphis Depay, because he's capable of scoring, he's capable of uh, creating, he's good at dead ball scenarios, he's got a good free kick on him, he's, he's got pace, he's got dribbling, he's got everything.
0: Okay. Last there question. You go. From, <laughs> that was a good answer. Last question is from Blaze at Blaze underscore Matthias. Uh, Blaze says, can Marcus Yorente be our Frankie de Young? Now, earlier in the podcast, we did say uh, in the previous podcast, we did say that this will be a podcast of uh, basically 50 50s and that's kind of how life is can either go yes or no it's a very close-ended uh situation he'll either be better or he'll be worse my take on this whole marcus Yorente frankie diong thing first of all i think frankie is good i think mean, he's a talented player i think he's got a lot on him he's got a good head on his shoulders all around of course he's playing at Ajax and the era divisi ix are known for creating great players i mean yeah he came from somewhere else but Whatever, you get the gist of what I'm saying. Secondly, I think Madrid fans have held too much importance on Frankie for the simple fact that there were other teams gunning for him, for the simple fact that we haven't signed anybody, and people just want to sign someone for the sake of signing someone, and more so because it was Barcelona who was in the running for him and in the end ended up purchasing him. Now, I'm not saying that I wouldn't want Frankie on my team, but I think having Marcus Llorente at the moment for me completely justifies not getting Frankie. Now, there's been times where this, is, this plan has gone to shit at Real Madrid. We had Iliad Mende earlier, four seasons ago or so. He was supposed to replace Xabi Alonso. Of course, that didn't work out. He got shipped back. We bought him high, sold him lower, literally lost money on that ordeal. Now, of course, we have Casemiro. I'm not going to complain about that. It's a bit of a nutcase once in a while is not that bad it's he's a good player to have as your cdm we both listed our starting 11s and we'd both like to have it you look at marcos urante when casemiro was out this season this kid came in and he bossed it he had some pretty damn good games There were games where he had the highest completion rate out of anybody on the pitch over 90 minutes which is super impressive considering there's people like luca Mondrich on the pitch so I think Marcus Llorente already is our Frankie De Jong. I don't think he can be. I think he is the guy. I think when he gets more chances this season, and as the seasons keep going, and if he chooses to stay at Real Madrid, and not just, I don't know, cut his losses, if that's what you want to call it, like Mateo Kovacic did last summer, I think he's going to be a great player at Real Madrid. I could definitely see in this starting 11, maybe not next year, a half and half, but the year after and the next five to seven years. I'm done now. Go
1: ahead. So I'm a devil's advocate and I'm going to disagree with that. So I think De Jong's got very, very, very high ceiling. Llorente is good defensively. Very, very good defensively. He's better in terms of distributing the ball than Casemiro is consistently at least. But If you look at the underlying numbers of De Jong's sort of defensive work against Casemiro's and Llorente. So, in the Liga so far, Casemiro averages tackles of 2.6 per game. There's 1.8 from uh, Lorente, and good old Frankie here is averaging 1.5. So, he's about the same thereabouts as uh, Lorente. Dion completes 1.7 interceptions. That's more than Casemiro, and more than uh, Lorente, who completes one. Casemiro completes 1.5. About the same amount interceptions-wise as um, Casemiro does. He completes 1.5 clearances. That's uh, 1.1 less than. Oh, sorry, one more than Casemiro. Um, but less than Lorenzo completes 2.3, which is impressive. To be fair, but the thing with De Jong is it's his passing game. He completes 1.3 average key passes per game which is, uh, has a, here we go, well, so Casimiro completes 0.6 per game, not the best of figure, and Lorente completes 0.5, so he's far superior in that sense. And his pass completion rate is 92.2, with an average of 79.8 per game. So with Casimiro, you're getting around 88.8 52, percentage, 52 passes per game, and with Lorente getting 54 passes at 94, accuracy. so he's got higher accuracy, but he completes less passes. I just think in terms of the all-round complete package, I think De Jong, if he, he lives up to his potential, is going to be an absolute monster. But we've got Casemiro, as world well, class, and I'm not going to moan about Lorente. He's a good player nonetheless. I just think that De Jong has a higher ceiling, and he's two years younger, though, is that? But yeah, that's, that's me done.
0: Well, you outstatted me for sure. I wish I knew we were looking up stats because I would have looked up (laughs) stats too. But anyway, that's it for Question Corner. Uh, Thank you guys so much for listening to our Question Corner. I think we're going to try and do this thing where we do just Question Corner podcast as well because it's nice, it's simple. It's just a quick chat on some questions that you guys have and I'm sure many other people have. Uh, In any case, if you haven't listened to our previous uh, podcast, that was just recapping the first leg of the Girona game and the upcoming uh, game against Espanol in La Liga. Uh, and we'll try our very best to have another one just in time and before the second leg against Girona. Thank you guys so much for listening. We would love and it would mean so much to us if you could share this podcast, just retweet it, share it with a friend, Madrid fan or not, uh, pretty sure... A Madrid fan would love to hear it more than a non Madrid fan, but it really would mean so much to Hassan, myself, and the real champ if you could share it. And please keep sending those questions. And if you're interested or you're somebody who would like to be on the podcast, it's as simple as downloading Skype on your computer. So it would be awesome. We'd appreciate it. And to get people from around the world, I'm from Canada, Hassan's from England. It'd be nice to see different takes and also hear different accents on the podcast. Anyways, Wherever you are in the world, whatever time it is, I hope you enjoy the rest of whatever it is you're doing. And as always, Alo Madrid.